We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Thank you for joining us. My name is Jasmine Allnut, and I'm here with Cheryl Broderson. (laughs) Just wanted to make it sound really exciting. Yes, because we're excited to be here. And And especially (laughs) at 60, sometimes you just have to like make it sound like it's still got your energy. Yes, absolutely. Cheryl, still alive. Nobody would ever doubt that you have energy. (laughs) Still alive, and we are excited. Yes, (laughs) to bring you another uh, women that you should know. Yes, oh sorry, woman that you should know. And who are we going to talk about today, Cheryl? We're going to talk about sojourner truth whose mm. real name was Isabella or Isabel depending on um pronunciation right or who you read Isabella <laughs> Bomfrey but even the last name is not necessarily the right last name and we'll mm. get into all this mm. so I uh, believe this or not um Sojourner Truth or Isabella didn't even know when she was born She doesn't know the date. She never had any way of telling time. She was born in the basement in um, a place called Espoco, New York. Hmm. Yeah, Espoco, New York. And um, And, and, and she was a slave slave owner. And so Espoco, Espoco, I don't know how you pronounce it. It's about Hmm. 90 minutes north of New York City. Oh, okay. And so 90 miles, excuse me, 90 miles. And so she was born in this place and... Uh, into the cellar, and her parents had been captured off of the coast of Ghana, the Gold mm. Coast of Ghana, Africa. And so they only spoke Dutch, and that's what she grew up, only speaking Dutch. And by the time she was born, she was second to the youngest. She had a little brother. Okay. But she had other siblings that had been born, but she didn't know all of any of them because they had already been sold, mm. sold by the master. And so she— is born, she's in this dark, dark place, and the only time she sees light is when she goes out to help her mother uh, or her father, um, who are slaves. Mm-hmm. And her mother was, uh, her mother's main job was spinning um, wool into yarn. Oh, so this wasn't a, fe- they weren't working in fields because they're in New York. Um, no, so they're in New York. So it's it's different, yeah, you know, yeah. work that they're doing, but still nevertheless laborious. And here are mm-hmm. these people that, you know, they're living um peacefully on the coast of Ghana, and one day they're they're kidnapped, so mm. to speak, brought to the United States and sold on the wow. auction block. And then all of their children are taken away because mm. in that day, they didn't believe that um, slaves were capable of being parents or having the human emotion or the love. Crazy. Uh, and, and what's interesting about this too, and again, it's that um, Isabella, what I'm telling you, it comes from her uh autobiography. Mm. So she is called um, Sojourner Truth, the narrative story. And mm. she she told all this to a woman named Olive Gilbert. And Olive Gilbert, not to be confused with the actress Olive Gilbert, who would be born oh. in 1898. This is another Olive Gilbert who um, wrote it all down as Sojourner spoke to her, mm-hmm. and it was written in 1851. She but, was illiterate, right? Ill- or so right, she didn't. Yeah. yeah, she couldn't read or write. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons that she wanted it is she was already hearing rumors and all sorts of um, mm-hmm. lies about her own life and her own oh, testimony. Wow. So she said, "I want the truth written out. Mm-hmm. I want you know somebody." And so she, you know, Olive said, "I'll write it." Mm-hmm. So she wrote it 
all out so it would be recorded and known. And interestingly enough, it was these books, this autobiography, that Sojourner Truth would take with her and sell, and that's how she supported herself in later years. But we are getting ahead of ourselves. (laughs) But going back, um, as she starts her autobiography, again, that she's saying to Olive, she's saying that she doesn't, she didn't know. She didn't know when she was born. She didn't know Mm. uh, the year because years had no... um, bearing on her life, right. you know, whether it was 1775 or 17, it was somewhere between 1775 and um, 1779. She believed she was born, but she didn't know. Wow. She didn't know because there was nothing to uh, reckon it by. Okay. And so she just knows she's mm-hmm. in this basement and in this dark basement, mm-hmm. there's mold, it's, it's dark, uh, dirt floors, basement under a house, uh, other slaves, there's other, you know, slaves, um, women and men. Also, mm. the masters did not allow slaves to be married. So mm, right. in other words, there was no uh, commitment, so to speak. I mean, they would commit to each other as long as they were with each other, right. but the husband or wife could be sold. And Man. then because the woman was considered like, uh, you know, she could make slaves for the master, make money, sure. they would just give her another husband. Yeah. And say, this is the man that we want you to have children by. So dehumanizing. Exactly. As if raising horses. Yeah. Another thing that they did is they only called the slaves by the first name and they didn't have a last name because a last name maybe would humanize them, Mm. would give them credibility. Right. Some slaves were allowed to take their master's last name as a form of identity, like this is who they belong to. Right. But other times the master would find out that they had used his last name and they would be beaten. So, um, Never quite sure what was going on. Interestingly enough, her mother would say, um, there is a God. Hmm. Isabella, there's a God. And go outside and look at the sky because he made it all. And her mother taught her to pray. Pray to God because he hears you and you know, and he knows. And he's greater than these masters. And he's hmm. good. He is all good. But yet her mother taught her to respect the master's uh, who were put over them because of fear, you know, like it was a protective measure to protect her daughter. Mm. So um, she called her mother um, Mau Mau, but her mother's name was probably Elizabeth and her father's name Robert, but, you know, she only called them Mau Mau. So in Mm. her autobiography, she just refers to her mother's Mau Mau. And Mm. so when Elizabeth is about I'm sorry, when Isabella is about nine or 10, again, she doesn't know when, Right. Um, she's taken and she's sold. And her mother and father were actually, her mother was supposed to be sold too. Hmm. But something intervened and her mother was allowed to stay with her father, which Isabella was very thankful for. Hmm. So Isabella is sold um, mm-hmm. uh, to, she sold and she sold for a hundred dollars and some sheep Mm. and she lives close enough where um she can go and visit her parents uh every once in a while but but not that often and her mother dies uh not too long after uh she sold to this man named john neely her mother dies and um her mother went down to the cellar to make an apple pie And the father loved these pies that the mother would make. Mm -hmm. And the pie was taking a long time, and he was wondering what happened. So Robert goes down to the cellar and finds that she has died. Mm. So then they emancipate Robert because he's so old anyway. But Mm. he was 
actually he was such a hard worker and so respectful that the family, they want to treat him nicely. So they have him just live with different relatives where he's just allowed to live on the property, but he has to walk. He has to walk like <sighs> 10 to 20 miles and he has to use a cane. But um, Isabella was allowed to, you know, go visit him. Mm. And towards the end, he's blind. He's worked so hard for these mm. people and they just keep shuffling him off to uh, different relatives. Wow. And I'm leaving out so much of this oh, story. Right, right. Um, because one of the reasons she was sold is because their original owner, who was nicer than his children, um, he dies. But, Ooh. you know, none of the owners are great. I mean, yeah, come no, on. These are slaveholders. Yep. So she goes to work for John Neely, and he's especially cruel. And part mm. of the problem is that she doesn't speak any English. And they give her orders, and she didn't mm. know what they were talking right, about. She speaks Dutch. She only speaks Dutch. Oh, and it, gosh. So she's trying to catch on to some of the words, and she's doing her very best, but she is beaten continually. So finally, they get so tired of her not being able to understand that they sell her to a man um, named Martin Schreier, and he's a tavern keeper. And huh. he's actually, even though he's this, you know, tavern keeper and he you know he has this saloon with um, a place to stay kind of like a hotel in those days and she she's making the bed she's cleaning the rooms and that's the kind of work that she's doing Mm. and they are good to her they're Mm -hmm. actually there's very few beatings and um and she's learning skills and she's learning some english but she also learns to cuss And she learns really, really bad, bad ways because they're drinkers, they're serving drink. Uh, He's involved in um, a lot of shady things. So somebody comes through, this man named John Dumont in 1810, Mm -hmm. and he buys her, again, for $100, he buys her. And John Dumont is, uh, no, he's one of the nicer master right, so to right. speak but yeah, he's going to rape her later oh my god so even though he's better her his wife is super cruel to um mm. isabel isabella just super super cruel and then she's got this like oh, what do you want to say she's got a maid who's white a girl named kate mm. and kate just tries to set up Isabella for anything just to wow. get her in trouble for yeah. anything so she'll get be- beaten so kate has this kind of sadistic nature that she just likes to see Isabel get in trouble. And the story is told, Isabella tells a story about how she would make potatoes because she had to make these potatoes for them in the morning. And for some reason, the potatoes keep turning black and have ashes on them. And she keeps getting beaten for it. And then uh, John Dupont's, Dumont's daughter catches, uh, she likes uh, Isabella. Mm. She just likes it. She hits it off with her and tries to help her out. She sees that the workload is too much yeah. for her. And think about it. Isabella probably at this time is only about 15 or 16. Yeah, and this little girl is like 12 or 13. She starts helping um, Isabella Shoot. with the work. And she catches Kate putting ashes in Isabella's potatoes. And she tells her father. And so Kate gets in big trouble and Isabella is exonerated. Wow. But um, John DuPont promises, uh, well, first of all, a man named Robert from a different farm falls in love with Isabella. And he comes down to visit her and she's just smitten with him. Mm. And she has a baby by him because remember. Oh, yeah, no marriage. Marriage. Yeah. And so she has a baby and it's her, it's a son. And Robert's 
master is super upset because he wants Robert to marry somebody that's one of his slaves. Oh, sure. And have those babies. Right. Because those babies are his money. That's his income. So he won't allow it. Robert is beaten so severely for because he keeps sneaking away to visit Isabella because he's in love. Beaten so severely that he dies um, as a result in years later of that beating. So now John Dumont, she's still in that house, and he he gives her this slave named Thomas. Now Thomas has been has had two other wives, so to speak. He's got lots of children, but those wives have both been sold to other masters. And so here's Isabella, here's Tom, they're in the same house. So they go on to have um, three children because Isabella has uh, Peter who dies in in his infancy. Mm. Then she has, no, I'm sorry, Peter lives. Her first child, James is her first child by Robert. He dies when he's just a young man. Mm. Then she has Diana, who's by a rape by uh, Dumont. Mm -hmm. And then Thomas, uh, they have Peter in 1821. Then they have Elizabeth in 1825. And then they have Sophia in 1826. Mm. And he is promised because the Emancipation Act has come into New York. And so you have to free any of your slaves over 40. So he says to Isabella, I'm going to I'm going to set you free because you have you've been good and, you know, I'll I'll set you free. So she's so excited about getting her freedom. Mm -hmm. So now the year comes and goes and he hasn't given her freedom. And so she Mm -hmm. says to him, why haven't you given me my freedom? And she ended up um, doing extra work just to get her freedom. And what had happened is while she was doing the extra work, she hurt her hand. And he said, I'm not setting you free. You still owe me because your hand, uh, you would have been a harder worker if your hand hadn't been hurt. So you have to, you owe me for all that work that you didn't do because of your hand, back back work. It's like crazy. So she ends up running away and she runs away. She meets this couple and they're obviously a Dutch couple Mm. and they take her in and they're like, they're, they're like, call us. Yes, they're Quakers. And they say, call us by our first names. Mm-hmm. You are our equal. We we believe in you. And no one had ever been kind to her. She thought all white people were evil mm. until she met them. And they began to tell her about Jesus. Oh, the Quakers are my favorite right. people when it comes to this. Well, this gets even better because John Dumont comes and mm. he wants her back. And so they buy her for $20 mm. and then set her free. And get her freedom papers. Well, she finds out that John Dumont sold her son Peter illegally because New York by this time has had an Emancipation Act. And they're not supposed to sell slaves. So he sold Peter, her older son. She had to leave her children so she could get emancipated and then go back and save them. So she finds out Peter's been sold and he's been sold in Alabama. So there's two crimes here. One is uh, the emancipation in New York and two, selling this boy Peter and they've sold him uh, to this owner in Alabama, so they've crossed uh, state lines. Yeah. So the people that she's living with, they agreed to help her get her son back. Wow. And so she she can't find a lawyer. Again, she's a black woman who's suing a white slave owner. And this just, this just isn't done. Crazy, yeah. But she says by this time she's learned to pray. And she doesn't even pray right. She said in her autobiography, she said, I was demanding of God. I wasn't even praying right. Mm. But everything I prayed, God did for me. He just answered every single prayer. So she prays and then she prays for a lawyer. God gives her this lawyer and he says, okay, it's going to cost you $5. She said, I don't have a 
I don't have any money at all. She's barefooted. She doesn't even have shoes. Yeah. And he says, well, go to the Quakers. They love you. Yep. So she goes to the Quakers and they give her $20. So she comes back. She gives the whole $20 to the oh, lawyer. No. She, she refuses to keep any of it. She says, I feel like, you know, and they said, you shouldn't have given her all that money. Well, one, she doesn't understand money. Sure. Right? Or yeah. how much she's got Math. or the worth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because she's never been taught. But when they tell her she's overpaid, she said, that's all right, because maybe he'll do a better job. Interesting. Well, he wins and he keeps. So he says to Sojourner, by this time tomorrow, you will have your child. So she goes back in an hour like, where is he? (laughs) Because she has no idea of time. Right. She has nothing to reckon time. (laughs) Anyway, to make a long story short, she gets Peter Mm. and she takes Peter and she takes her daughter and she moves to New York City. And she moves in uh, to this pastor named Elijah Pearson. And she's a housekeeper. This is how she's going to, you know, mm. make her living. And she's going to she's gonna work as a housekeeper. And so she works as a housekeeper. And at this point, she's in New York. She starts going to the Zion Church and learning more and more about God mm. and learning more. But then also she gets involved with— um, a cult, a right? Cult, right. Uh, by this name, um, uh, Prophet Matthias. But when pa- mm. Pastor Matthias, the, the Prophet Matthias, oh, dear. kills Elijah Pearson, she Whoa. realizes, I've been involved with a cult. Uh, a cult. I, I, I need the true, I need the word of God. Yeah, so flags. she has people start reading her the word. And mm. she loves the word just read to her because she realizes, I need the word of God. But she can't read. She can't write. So anyway, she'd have people read her the Bible. And then sometimes she'd say, wait, I need that read again. But when people would read it again, they would add commentary. So oh, she she would okay. get children to read her the Bible. So she'd give them the Bible and say, now read this to me. And they would read it to her. That's great. No commentary. That's right. Filtered, just now, another word. thing happens in New York while, she, while she's there. And she becomes a Methodist. Hmm. And then she starts getting some some right uh Teaching and that would make sense. The Methodists were very uh, helpful, yes. like the Quakers with the slaves. And think about they this really is closer to worked. John Wesley's time. Yes. so it still got this purity. A, yep, yep, into it. And she begins to uh, learn the word and and just to to get the truth pouring mm. over her. And it's um, about this time her son Peter grows up. Oh, I forgot this part. This part's really exciting. So she meets her brother. Her, her biological brother finds her while she's in New York. Whoa. He finds her. And he says, not only that, we have a sister. So she meets her brother and sister. And they said, oh, and we have a sister that just died named Nancy, just died. Mm. And so she said, well, describe her. She finds out that Nancy had been her friend and they had been praying together at church. Mm. And she knew Nancy. And as she thought back about it, her sister looked so much like her mother. And, and was, she, was, she was drawn to her, right? Yes. For that? And oh. she said that she had even felt this connection when they prayed, not even knowing. So she Hmm. finds her family. In 1851, she changes her name to Sojourner Truth. And a little bit before this, her son Peter, he ends up becoming a sailor and going on the Nantucket. Hmm. Um, And and he writes to her, but she, she gets his letters. She has them read to her and she keeps them forever, but she can never write back to him. Hmm. And so after the third letter that he didn't get a response, um, they never heard from each other again. Oh, so it was kind so of sad. sad. Yes. So she becomes um, a sojourner truth, and she decides that the Lord is leading her um, to go out and to bring the gospel to people. And she said this, where the Spirit leads, I must go. 
So she starts traveling north um, up through Connecticut to uh, Massachusetts. And in one of those adventures, she finds an Adventist camp. Now, this isn't the Seventh-day Adventist. This is the Adventist. And they believe that the Lord is coming, you know, at any second. Oh, right, right. Okay. And so she gets to this camp, and she can't believe how um, they're all worked up. They're all afraid. They're super afraid. You know, the Lord's coming, and, you know, we're really scared. Now, right. I want to say that she ministered mainly to white people. So that this is, so is not a black camp. She's around white people. And uh, the the whites love her. She's met um, Harriet Beecher Stowe by this oh, time. Yes, yes. And so the abolitionists we'll her. love her, <laughs> and they want her to tell her story mm-hmm. for the cause of uh, freedom and abolition. So she meets Harriet Beecher Stowe, who absolutely adores her. She begins to tell her story. And so she's traveling up, telling her story. And even though she couldn't read or write, she was eloquent. She was forceful. She was so gifted when she would speak. And what an advantage that she was in the North, where right. the abolitionist movement was strong, where she could have a voice. That's and right. Able to and share. she was wanted. Yes. So anyway, she goes to this camp. Everybody's all scared. And she, all of a sudden, she's like, this thing is out of control. (laughs) So she finds this stump and she stands up and she said, get your eyes off the times, which is great because this is a woman who doesn't even know how to tell time. Yeah. And get your eyes back on Jesus and on who God is. And she directs them all just to seek the Lord. And she said, you know, God told us to watch and pray. And I don't see you doing any of this. Wow. And you're afraid because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing is watch and praying. And then she took all the leaders to task. And like, you know, I don't know about the Lord's coming, but this I do know. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be watching and praying and, you know, taking the gospel. So she kind of sets them, you know, to write. Um, Again, in 1850, right before she took the name Sojourner Truther, at the same time, she dictated her um, memoirs to Olive Gilbert. So Mm. she begins to take this book about her life, about the slavery and Mm. all that it did and all about God answering her prayers and these stories. She takes this book, she gets it published and she takes it everywhere she goes and she sells it. She doesn't have a real good idea about money, but it's by selling this book that she supports herself. And she was also really upset about pastors who took money because she felt Mm. like you should live by the gospel. Hmm. And it's interesting though, um, that she wouldn't take any money. She would speak at all these camps. Uh, She was really Uh, in demand as a speaker Mm. uh, because she spoke on abolition. She spoke on women's rights. Right, which would have been pretty revolutionary then. Even for the abolitionists, they would have been a little bit like Very, but people were, you know, one of her most famous talks is, Ain't I a Woman? She's really known (laughs) for that talk. Um, And she also, um, of course, told the gospel And then again, she said she hated white people till she met her ultimate master, who was Jesus. And just such a— That's so beautiful. Just like a a great, great story. Mm -hmm. Um, She died in um, 18—I believe it was 1885. Look, this is what happens when I'm— 1883, is that it? I think it's 1883-ish. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yes. But, um, and she, at the time, she already owns a house, Mm. but she's having trouble making the payments, you know. Oh, Mm. one more story there. Yes. She's meeting in uh, Northampton. She goes to Northampton 
And she's doing a, again, she's speaking at a conference because that's what she would do. She would go to these conferences. And what happened is at one of the tent meetings, uh, some ruffians came in and they were just being unruly, just a couple of uh, boys. But they were told by the leadership, you know, calm down, stop that. You can't do that here. And so they were so insulted that they came back with a group of 100 and or more. Ooh. And they were planning on taking down oh, this wow. conference and hurting the people there. And everyone's scared. And she began to feel afraid because she said, I'm the only black woman. They're mm. going to take me down first. Mm. You know, they're going to go for the black woman. And everyone's afraid. And then she says to the Lord, Lord, I shouldn't have this fear. That You have not given us the spirit wow. of fear. So, you know, show me what to do. And she sees this rise on a hill, and it's about, um, you know, not too far, but um, about maybe 30 yards from where the tent mm-hmm. meeting is. But the ruffians are on the other side of this rise. So she goes up this hill, and she sees them. And again, they've got like, uh, you know, they've got guns. Yeah, they've yeah. got like spears, you know, all yeah. sorts of weapons. And so what she does is she begins to sing. And she's just singing. And I guess she had this incredible voice and she's singing and they all start clamoring closer to her and, and, and toward her. And she's like, what are you doing? And they're like, black woman, sing some more. What? Sing some more. We love your voice. And she's singing hymns and she's singing the gospel. So she's Mm. choosing songs that do the gospel. These men repent. She starts preaching to them. They pray and they receive the Lord. I love it. And they're just changed. And it's almost what that meeting could not do. Yes. She did. I mean, think about how God chooses the least likely. Oh, These are white ruffians. Yeah. And God takes this, you know, um, black woman who is raised a slave, who preaches the gospel and sings. Hmm. And these men are mesmerized and they all get saved. Man, you know, that— that's actually one of the most remarkable things to me when you study like the, the slaves during this era is you really do see the power of the gospel in and through their lives. Even the fact that they would get saved because so many of them had such horrific examples, you know, especially down in the South, some of those Southern masters that would go to church and then come home and beat their slaves. Horrid. Such horrid examples yeah. of Christianity. But mm-hmm. when they found out the go- the true gospel of the God who loved them and gave them dignity and value. And don't you think it it's gave, because they it got power. a personal relationship? Yes, they totally because did. Because when you get a personal relationship yep. with Jesus, you're like, that's not my Jesus. Yes. My Jesus would never do anything like exactly. that. And that's what she would preach. Now, she wasn't, again, mm. because— she only had the word read to her. Sure. She got some strange ideas sometimes. Yeah. And like the Quakers, she wanted to see if the word resonated with her heart. Right, right, right. The inner light. The, the Quakers, inner light, yeah. right. The Quakers were so, wonderful, but yeah. Yeah, so she really had that revelation of, you know, the inner light. So not everything that she preached was, you know— Right, on course. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. she had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. She sought to preach the gospel. She had a love for every creature because Jesus died for them and uh, that Mm. dignity. So she's, of the two in um, 2014, they came out with a list of the most, a hundred of the most significant Americans. And she's considered one of them. Oh, and again, I, yeah, um, during World War II, I forgot this, that she recruited black troops for the Union Army. During Civil War? Yes. Yep. She served during the Civil War, and she died November 26, 
1883. I found found it finally. Yes. So uh, I love that. I love that. The Lord met her where she was at and used man, used her in such a mighty way. And then, too, because she prayed. You know, she said Mm -hmm. when she first began to pray to God, she didn't know that there was Jesus. Mm. But she just prayed as her mother taught her to pray. And God led her all the way. Um, Even, and she just, uh, her testimony of her life is God always led me. Mm. So, you know, the book is available on Audible, which I love. Um, oh, great. Sojourner Truth, uh, the narrative story, which is excellent. By Olive. By Olive, Olive Gilbert. Gilbert. Okay. I think of Kathy Gilbert. That Olive helps us. Gilbert. So I won't say Olive, <laughs> Olive Garden. Garden. Yeah. Yes, which I tend to do. Um, but anyway, it's, it's a really, I mean, it'll make you cry. If you mm. don't cry, if you don't fall in love, then there's something wrong and you need to take it to Jesus. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Because she is absolutely amazing and her life was absolutely amazing. Talk about an overcomer. Oh my goodness. And that's why everyone should know who Sojourner Truth is. And that's why I bring her to you today. This is Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut saying thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut.